Well, good morning. That sounded pretty good. Sounded all, all right. You guys must know that we're, we're talking about sin, so it makes you a little uncomfortable maybe. I don't know about you, but I, I feel a little uncomfortable sometimes talking about it in, in front of you. Uh, for those that don't know me, I'm Adrian. Uh, it's been a while since I've had the pleasure of teaching at Alpine, but I'm happy to be here, and, and we're on our fifth week of the Seven Deadly Sin series. And even though we might be a little uncomfortable talking about sin, I don't know if, if uh, last week gluttony got you a little bit, but it, it's important that we talk about sin because sin destroys, right? Sin destroys our, our life, our relationships, and most importantly, maybe sin also destroys our relationship with God. And over the last couple of weeks, as, we, as we've been talking about sin, you know, we've been talking about pride, lust, greed, and, and gluttony. And, and I hope that you've noticed that, that each of these sins uh, tempts us uh, with providing us something that God has promised us if we're in relationship with him. And it tempts us by, by trying to convince us that, that we can get these things without God, that we can get these things on our own. And today we're going to explore uh, uh, what, what that is, what that might be with anger as we look at anger. Now, I think that we've all had some kind of experience with anger, whether it's the one dealing out the anger or the one receiving it. But, but as we've done every week, let's, let's start with a, a definition of anger. Anger, a strong feeling of being upset or annoyed because of something wrong or bad. You know, another definition, a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. You see, anger is, is one of those emotions that can compel us and, and drive us to be, be, really to become violent, either physically or, or emotionally towards people in the way that we act or the way that we treat them. But, but anger can also be one of those emotions that, that drives us to, to, to say something or to do something against the evil that we see in the world as well, right? All anger is not a sin, right? I mean, when we see child abuse, when we see uh, people being taken advantage of or, or racism or, or different things like that, these things should drive us to be a little upset. You know, oftentimes, this kind of anger would be called righteous anger. And, and we actually have examples of, of Jesus showing us righteous anger throughout the Bible. If you remember the stories in, that we read in Matthew and Mark about Jesus walking into the temple, and as he came into the temple, he saw that there was a bunch of merchants set up selling things. And what was happening is, is that the temple was supposed to be a place where people could go and meet God a place where people could go and, and grow and pursue their relationship with God. But what the religious leaders and some of these merchants were doing is they kind of had set up a system to take advantage of the people that were coming to meet God. And Jesus, when he walked into the temple and, and saw this, he was angered and he began to overturn the tables and crack whips. And, you know, sometimes I think we actually like this verse. We like to use this verse to, to justify our own anger, right? Hey, Jesus got upset and overturned tables. It's okay if, if I get a little upset as well. 
But you know, there's, there's another verse that talks about Jesus' anger that we don't actually mention much, talking about Jesus' righteous anger in Mark 3. It says, he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. You see, this was a, a time when, when Jesus had entered a synagogue, and there was a man, a, a crippled man with a shriveled hand in the middle of it. And all around him were these religious leaders, and, and what they were doing is they were actually waiting for Jesus. They wanted to, to kind of trap Jesus, to, to trick Jesus, to have a reason to, to get rid of him, right? A, a reason to accuse him. And as Jesus walked in and saw this crippled man and, and knew the hearts of these religious leaders, not only their heart in respect to God, but their heart in respect to this crippled man right in front of them, he was angered, and he healed the man. See, I think that this verse kind of helps us understand what righteous anger really is. Helps us understand what Jesus was doing in the temple when he was overturning tables and what he was doing right here when it says that he healed this man when he was angry. See, what Jesus was doing is in this righteous anger, Right, the, the, the emotion, what we're compelled to do in righteous anger, in order for it to be righteous anger, always points people to God and his truth. Righteous anger always points people to God and his truth. And I think that if we're honest with ourselves, most of the time, the anger that we show others, the anger that we have, is not righteous anger because we're not pointing people to God and his truth. The anger that I think we tend to show is actually selfish anger that points people to ourselves or, or something else. And I believe that one of the reasons that, uh, that one of the reasons why our anger typically is not righteous anger is because for many people, anger is a substitute emotion to mask deeper feelings that you struggle to express. You see, I'm one that's willing to admit that, that this life can be difficult. This life can be hard. We get hurt in this life, right? People do things to us that aren't right. We get offended. We get abused. I mean, this life leaves us with scars, fills us with, with emotion as a result. I mean, this could be fear, this could be re jealousy, regret, anxiety. I mean, uh, uh, you name it, there's, there's so many emotions that we have to deal with in this, in this life as a result of, of, of things that have happened to us, things that we've done to other people, right? And, and, and sometimes it seems easier to kind of bury these emotions, and not address these emotions. It seems like it's, it's easier, like we, maybe we were afraid of, of, of looking weak if we kind of show that we've been hurt. You know, maybe we're, we're afraid of, of looking like terrible people and, and uh, showing vulnerability, and so it's easier sometimes for us to bury these emotions and not address these emotions. Maybe it's because we've been hurt so bad that we just don't want to dig up that pain again. 
And so we bury it. You know, it reminds me of kind of little babies. You know, I've got a, a grandson that I'm, I'm blessed to have in my home right now. And uh, there's, you know, it's been a little while since I've had babies in the home. And, and one of the things that, that I, I get to experience now is his fits, right? I mean, his fits. He cries and gets upset and, and screams when he wants food. Right? He, he cries and gets upset and screams when he wants you to pick him up. He cries, he, he screams, he's upset when he wants his diaper changed, um, when he wants his toy. And, you know, all of this makes sense. Right? I mean, he's a baby. He hasn't learned how to talk yet. He's, he's just learning how to communicate with us. And so the only way that he can express how he's feeling is to kind of blow up and cry and be upset to let us know that he either needs something or wants something. Now, we would like to think that we've outgrown this, right? We would like to think that, that we've matured, that we've grown up, we've learned how to communicate and we can handle things a little bit differently. But I think in a lot of ways, we handle, uh, uh, we, we treat our anger in the same way. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's because we're oppressing these emotions and these, these feelings that we're going through, they've got to be expressed. They don't stay buried forever. And because we're unwilling to, to, to deal with them, what happens is the energy from all these emotions come out in anger. You know, I, I can see this visibly, um, vividly. The one thing that came to my mind while I was preparing was sometimes uh, with my work, it, you, know, you know how work is. Sometimes it seems like everything collapses, everything happens the same week, right? All your deadlines land at the same week. Everything you've got going on at the house lands on the same week. And so when I'm stressed out, when I'm a little feeling under, the, under pressure and, and trying to get some work done and, and my time constraints, I'm running out of time, and my kids come in and ask me a simple question, I, I realize that I get extremely agitated at them. I mean, they could be asking for a drink of water, okay? And I'm like, what? Because I don't want to be bothered, right? I'm, I'm, I'm blowing up and I'm showing anger and aggravation, but it has nothing to do with them or what, they, what they've asked for. You see, um, substitute anger is what I'd like to call this. Anger that we exhibit to other people based on the emotions that we're not dealing with. You see, in substitute anger, is a false pathway to control. Is a false pathway to control, making you feel powerful instead of vulnerable. You see, sometimes we express our anger because it feels safer than expressing our emotions. Sometimes we express our anger because it makes us feel like we have more control, maybe more, more power over the situation. It feels better than addressing hurt. We actually see an example of this in the Bible and the story of Cain and Abel. 
know, Cain and Abel, it came time for them to, to bring an offering to the Lord. And this is what happened. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. You know, God didn't leave Cain to, to sit there being angry. He actually asked Cain, Cain, why are you angry? Why are you angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? Will you be accepted if you do what is right? But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and master it. So God is, is asking Cain, why, why are you upset? You see, I, I think that God knew that there were some underlying emotions that Cain wasn't dealing with. And these underlying emotions were beginning to, to, to erupt. They were beginning to come up, and it was coming up as anger. You see, God wants Cain to deal with this, these emotions before he gets consumed by his anger. You know, I think that's a, a great example for us. I mean, how many times when we're angry have we asked ourselves, why am I angry? Why am I angry? What's, what's going on? What is at the root of my anger? You know, why am I experiencing this kind of emotion at this time, at, at, at this moment? See, I don't think Cain asked himself this. I don't think Cain asked himself these questions, and he was overtaken with his anger. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And that while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. You remember we said that, that sin is destructive. And this kind of selfish sin, this kind of selfish anger, the substitutive anger is destructive and destroys. And Cain became the first murderer in human history. You see, I think if Cain would have taken the time to ask himself the question why he was angry, I believe that God would have helped him discover the emotions that were behind that anger. You know, given the fact that uh, Cain's anger was directed at Abel, I, I think a pretty good assumption maybe is that Cain was dealing with a little bit of jealousy. Now, I, you know, I don't know. Cain being the older brother, maybe every time they went out to play football, Abel beat him. You know, maybe Abel was always the one that did everything right, and it seemed like Cain always came in second place. And so he was struggling with that as he was growing up. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Cain, just because his sacrifice wasn't accepted, felt like God didn't love him. Maybe he, he felt like he wasn't as valuable as able to God. But if Cain would have taken a moment and asked himself why he was angry, if he would have taken a moment, I, I believe that God would have, would have helped him kind of uncover those, those emotions. I believe that Cain would have realized that God loved him just as much as he loved Abel. 
I think he would have realized that he was just as valuable to God as Abel was. And maybe he would have uncovered that what he was dealing with was just a little bit of jealousy and that there really was no reason to be angry. But Cain doesn't choose that. Cain was consumed by that anger. And he fell for anger's lie. Right? The, the lie that this kind of selfish anger promises that it's going to protect us. That it's going to protect us from being hurt again. That it's going to give us more control. That it's, it's not going to let us feel weak again. See, but here's the problem. Substitute anger actually causes a loss of control, emotionally, relationally, and even spiritually. See, emotionally, you think we're, we think we're protecting ourselves, right? We, we think our, we're protecting ourselves by not opening up those old wounds, working through those emotions and those hurts. We think we have more control, but we're actually losing control because we never really deal with the hurt and the pain and the brokenness. And it begins to echo in every part of our lives. And it especially echoes in our relationships, destroying our relationships, breaking down the communication between our loved ones as they struggle to understand why we're upset at them. breaking down our communication with our loved ones as, as they get hurt. People close to us get emotionally and even physically abused. Our spouses and our children begin to feel unloved because we're just expressing this anger that really has nothing to do with them more than likely. You see, our relationships get destroyed. It even affects us spiritually, because like Cain, given an opportunity by God to, to ask ourselves the question, why are we angry, to accept his help, working through those emotions that we're suppressing, we reject God, and in our selfishness, destroy our relationship with God. This is why it says in, in Psalms, Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. This selfish anger destroys. So how do we stop from being angry? How do we stop the substitutive anger welling up inside of us? The antidote. To anger is to, love, is to be vulnerable and practice silence, just as Jesus did. You know, during Jesus' ministry, we, we see repeated examples of, of Jesus going off on his own, uh, uh, separating from his disciples and from the crowds to go off his, on his own to pray to God. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. 
You see, Jesus was 100% God, but 100% man at the same time. You see, so what this means is the emotions that, that we experience in this difficult life, the hurts, the, the pains, the, the disappointments, all those emotions that we experience, Jesus had to deal with these emotions as well. He was human. And I believe this is how Jesus dealt with it, is Jesus would, would go off and, 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 and be vulnerable to God, sharing what he was going through. Jesus made himself vulnerable before God. And we should do the same thing, right? We should be willing to, to, to make the time to be vulnerable to God. You see, prayer is, is just talking to God, right? Prayer is the way that we communicate with God. And, and so going to God in prayer and, and laying these emotions that we don't understand, Laying these hurts that, that we struggle with, that we're, we're trying to understand, laying those before God and allowing him to help us work through it. Even if it means that we've got to wrestle with God. Jesus didn't only allow himself to be vulnerable before God, but he allowed himself to be vulnerable with the people closest to him. We see this in the, the story as, as Jesus cries with Mary at the death of Lazarus. We see it at the Garden of Gethsemane when, when Jesus had, had, had shared with his disciples what he was about to experience, what he was about to go through, and then invites them to the garden with him to pray. It's important that we're vulnerable that we make ourselves vulnerable to the people close to us. Allowing them to know uh, what we're feeling. Allowing them to know the hurts and the emotions that we're struggling with. And there's no question, I don't think it's, it's, it's all easy. But I think what we'll find when we do this is that God has placed people next to us. God has placed people in our lives to help us work through this and to pray with us. We also said that, that Jesus was silent. So not only did Jesus make himself vulnerable to God and to the people close to him, Jesus practiced silence. And what I mean by this is that despite the emotions that Jesus was going through as he was basically leading up to his death. He chose God's will over his own. I mean, can you imagine it? Can you imagine um, the amount of emotional uh, strife and, and struggling that Jesus went, to, went through? Right, I mean, we get a, a small glimpse of it, glimpse of it in, in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's asking God that, hey, if this cup can pass from me, let it pass. But he follows that up with, but not my will, but your will be done. The prophet Isaiah says this, he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word 
He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. You see, this prophecy was describing how Jesus was going to be as he was on the cross, as he was giving up his life. I mean, again, think of all the emotions he was struggling with. From the Garden of Gethsemane being, being turned over by one of his own disciples with a kiss, the frustration, the disappointment, being condemned on false charges, being whipped and mocked, the anxiety and, and the pain of, of being tortured, being stripped and put on a cross and humiliated to die. In all this, Jesus didn't lash out in anger. He remained silent and in control of his emotions. Here's the thing. Jesus was innocent. The Bible tells us that he lived a sinless life. He didn't deserve to die. I mean, think about it. He, he was innocent. He, he, of all people, could have called down fire from heaven to destroy the evil people that were trying to kill him. But Jesus was committed to following God's will and not his own human desires or emotions. Jesus was silent. Anger didn't control Jesus. Jesus was in control of his emotions. Psalms 4.4 says this, Don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. Offer sacrifices in the right spirit and trust the Lord. Don't let anger control you. Anger did not control Jesus. He was committing to honoring God even in the midst of all these emotions. I believe that kind of this here where it says offering sacrifices in the right spirit, this is, this is talking about how we approach God. And how did Jesus approach God? In vulnerability. A humble willingness to follow God, trusting that God was going to work it out. You see, this is how we control our anger. Vulnerable to God, make ourselves vulnerable to other people, and then be committed to following and honoring God by our actions. Now, you know, I don't believe that this is easy. And, and, and I'm going to be vulnerable to you guys this morning. You see, over the last couple years, as, as the, the racial tensions in our country started coming to the surface, um, I began to get frustrated and irritated. I, I would go on and, and see the comments that people would make 
and they would profess to be Christians. When I looked at them, I, I didn't see, uh, I mean, the stuff that, that I saw that their comments and their responses were, were based off were, were fear and selfishness and pride and, and honestly, sometimes hate. And, and I got to the point where um, I was angry. And, and I, to be honest, I didn't even realize it. And you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to leave the church. I wanted to separate myself from the fellowship of God's church. You see, it wasn't until that I began to allow myself to be vulnerable before God and share with God these emotions, these frustrations. It wasn't until I, I was vulnerable before God and then was vulnerable before people around me, people close to me, and I shared these things that I was feeling, that I felt like being done with church, that I realized that my, the root of my anger and my frustration that was driving me to this idea to, to separate myself from God's church was because I was hurt. I was hurt. I was hurt. And my anger was leading me to believe that, that all of God's church had these same views. It wasn't until I began to address the emotion of being hurt that I realized that that is not all true. You see, God wants to help us work through our emotions. God doesn't want us to be controlled by our anger because our anger destroys. See, this is the reason that Jesus gave his life on the cross. Right? This is the reason that, that Jesus remained silent when he was going to his death because God had a purpose. And his purpose was that through Jesus, if we put our trust in Jesus, that we can be forgiven of our sins and, and have a relationship with God. And it's in this relationship, that, that relationship with God, that he's opening the door to help us address our emotions. Are you willing to address those emotions that you've been pushing down? Those emotions that have been welling up in anger, or are you ready to address those with God? Because he's ready to help you work through them. You see, in this relationship with God, we're empowered not to be controlled by our anger. God isn't asking us to do it alone. God isn't asking us to figure out how to have the willpower. He wants to help us and empower us through the Holy Spirit. Not to be controlled by our anger. But to work through our emotions and our hurt with him. You know, and the truth is, that's something to celebrate. 
that is something to celebrate. Even though this world might, might harm us and, and bring us pain and discomfort, even though we've got emotions we've got to deal with, it's, it's, it's something to celebrate that God has provided a way to help us. If you've put your trust in Jesus Christ as the, the worship team comes forward, I want to invite you to celebrate with us today in communion. You see, communion is, is, is remembering what God has done for us. Remembering that, that Jesus Christ did give his life on the cross so that we could have victory over sin, so that we could have victory over anger by putting our trust in him. You know, it, uh, this, this bread or this, this wafer represents that body of Jesus Christ that he willingly put on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins. Victory over sin and death. The juice represents his blood, that blood that he willingly shed for us so that we could have a relationship with God. And again, if you've put your trust in Jesus, I welcome you to celebrate that we have life and victory over sin and anger through Jesus Christ. If you didn't get one of these as you came in, we've got some up front. And as the worship team plays this last song after I close in prayer, I, I welcome you to take it as you feel led and celebrate that, that we have victory over sin. Father, we exalt you. And Lord, we give you praise for you are a wonderful God. Lord, I thank you that in this life, you don't ask us to go it alone, but you've promised to be there right there with us. So Lord, I, I thank you for giving your life for me. I thank you for giving your life for us. And Father, I pray that you would allow us to experience the freedom of knowing you. In the name of Jesus.